0: sodomites and welcome to the sinister sissies podcast your guide to true crime horror and everything man on man and macabre i'm jared your master of depravity and i'm here with a new special guest for the podcast michael kozio uh journalist for the sydney morning herald thank you for joining me
1: it's great to be with you to unwrap this mystery from 1970s san francisco what a treat
0: Yeah, we're going retro in uh, today's podcast Uh, We're looking at, I think, the first cold case murder for the podcast as well So a lot of firsts uh, and quite, quite an interesting case to be looking at So today's podcast is on the unfortunately named serial killer, The Doodler Who was one of San Francisco's most infamous cold case murderers The killer is believed to have killed at least five but on some accounts up to 14 men in San Francisco between... January uh, 1974 and September of 1975.
1: That's almost one a month. He's been very busy. Well,
0: and we should be sceptical of that 14 men number um, because the unfortunate thing is all the reports that I've been reading are that uh, the murder rate of gay men in uh, San Francisco in the 1970s was unfortunately quite high.
1: And many unattributed, uh, many unattributed murders that they don't know. There are many serial killers operating, but they don't know exactly who killed whom. Isn't that the that,
0: case? That's right. And, and America in the 1960s and the 1970s was actually having its peak time of serial killings. The Doodler, uh, as I said, uh, he targeted gay men. Um, his MO was to essentially get into sexual encounters with men and stab them to death. Uh, it is a cold case murder, but interestingly, the the cold case of the doodler was actually the inspiration for the film Cruising, which we have covered on the podcast already.
1: Al Pacino. Who's here? I'm here. You're here. Cruising.
0: So the first documented victim of the doodler um, was a 49-year-old man named Gerald Earl Kavanagh. His body was found at about 2am in the morning on the 27th of January 1974 at Ocean Beach in San Francisco. Kavanagh had been stabbed several times. His corpse uh, was still dressed in all of his clothes, still had his wallet, sorry, his watch, as well as his wallet with cash in it. And that initially raised some red flags in investigators because generally, if you were going to find a murder at that point, it would be some sort of robbery associated with it. And there was no robbery on um, Kavanaugh's body.
1: What else can we know about Kavanaugh, Jared? He was, um, was he kind of an out man or what was his story?
0: He's probably the, he is the lesser known of the victims. So he was, it was quite a stocky man. He was, um, you know, over a hundred kilograms, um, and about five foot eight. So that's, that's quite big. He worked in a blue collar job at a local mattress factory, we, he was a single man who lived a quiet life, and quite sadly, um, that's the, that's the reason they couldn't identify his body for so long. So for for a long period of time, he was a John Doe, and it took a while to identify him because he didn't have a lot of close family. Um, investigators uh, documented it as a suspicious death and tried to look into it, but at no point in the first initial investigation was there any sign that this was. The sign of a future serial killer.
1: An ideal first victim in many ways, I suppose. Someone who people aren't going to miss and who they're not going to be able to track down any links to.
0: Vulnerable. I think he was probably a vulnerable one. And and at this point, they had no links to the local gay community at all, um, just based on this one victim. The next uh, notable and confirmed victim um, of the doodler uh, was a man named Joseph Stevens. Uh, unlike Kavanaugh, he was quite active in San Francisco's gay community. He was known for being a drag queen, which the early reports all call a female impersonator, which I don't know. It makes it sound very sophisticated. Joseph uh, performed as Jay, um, and performed drag, uh, as well as being a comedian. Uh, he was originally born in Texas, which... Being born in Texas in the 1960s and 1970s would be fucking rough. Um, He uh, moved to San Francisco and was actually quite successful as an entertainer there. Stephen's body was found uh, in a lake in Golden State Park on the 25th of June, 1974, Similar to the first victim, he had been stabbed several times.
1: At this point, Gerard, I mean, is there any link between the two crimes? Um, Is is, is is it suspected that there's a serial killer who's, you know, behind these two murders or they're just treated as kind of independent incidents? At, At
0: this point, they just have two dead bodies stabbing victims in San Francisco. So the location's not even kind of drawing them together. Um... Although this is the first link that they have that there is some connection with the San Francisco gay community because Stevens was last seen at the Cabaret Club on Montgomery Street, uh, which is on the main strip, in the main part of um, San Francisco known as being part of the gay community. Things started to really come together and a pattern, started to come together on the discovery of the third victim, um, Klaus Christman. 31 uh he was an immigrant from germany he was last seen alive in a bar called uh bojangles uh, in san francisco um his body was found in fact his body was incredibly mutilated one of the detectives that was involved in the investigation said it was the most ghastly stabbing that he had ever seen and he had actually worked on the zodiac killer murders um he
1: How many times was this guy stabbed something like 15 times
0: Yeah, that's right. Stabbed 15 times and his throat was slit. Um, So it was quite an aggressive murder. Um, His body was found by a dog walker, which is, you find after doing however many of these fucking cases, that dog walkers (laughs) just find all the dead
1: bodies. Thank God they're out there, otherwise we'd never find any of these victims.
0: I just, makes you not want to walk your dog. Uh, Chrisman, Chrisman had a wife and two children. But his body was found, and this is a bit of a very 1970s cop logic, his body was found um, with a tube of face paint in his pocket. Um, and the the investigators at the time inferred from that that he was a drag queen and was therefore a gay man. And so that's one of the main links that we have between Crispin's murder and the other murders. And in fact, after discovering Crispin's body, um, homicide detectives uh, were you know, pretty sure at this point that they were dealing with a a serial killer.
1: Now, Jared, I mean, we're going to talk about the this killer's M.O., which uh, is, of course, why he was given the name the doodler but at at this point were police aware of this guy's signature uh which of course was the fact that he would draw pictures of his victims as a way of introducing himself to them and 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 getting to know them in these bars
0: so that wasn't known quite yet not this early on i wanted to briefly kind of talk about um the kind of setting that we have here i i i noted the fact that that Um, San Francisco and California more broadly um, was dealing with kind of a tsunami of homicides against gay men at this point. So between the years of 1974 and 1977 were actually noted in police records as being quite a a high incident rate of murders against gay men. And so the fact that it took homicide detectives, you know, three victims down to realise that there was a pattern here probably is slightly understandable given the, uh, I guess, the series of unconnected homicides that were happening at this point. Um, worth noting as well that one of the reasons, being three victims down, we haven't heard anything about the potential offender at this point, is that many gay men um, in the 1970s were very reluctant to go to police. Um
1: Which is the feature of the case throughout it, uh, that people who have had uh, an encounter with this guy, uh, who were in fact even victims of this guy, weren't willing to come forward for understandable reasons, for fear of persecution, for fear of consequences, um, for fear of discrimination, but weren't willing to come forward to police and give details of what happened with this guy, which obviously contributed to the fact that he was not ever caught. Yeah, and it's
0: that that culture of, Kind of 1970s San Francisco, I think, is idealized in some ways because it's that kind of pre-AIDS safe haven for gay people, or at least in a lot of people's minds it's viewed like that. But being that kind of safe haven, gay bars, gay culture, all of that stuff was still seen, particularly by the police force, as this very deviant and risky lifestyle. So um one resident at the time told a journalist that you know whenever he had tried to make complaints to police about being assaulted by a date or things like that the police would say things like i can't believe you would just go home um with a guy that you've met in a bar you know they would be kind of victim blamey like that um and from a police perspective police viewed gay men probably understandably as connected to to drugs and kind of beats and all these sorts of things and as being kind of an inherently criminal um, component of the city. And so, not good relations.
1: There's there's a mindset that, you know, you're operating in this kind of subterranean uh, level of society where, you know, these things are bound to happen. Yeah. Like a risk... as we otherwise would have. Yeah,
0: you're a risky... You're living a risky lifestyle, and this is kind of a consequence. And I think that that probably factored into... The police mindset and how they went about the investigation and why it took so long to actually kind of put the put the dots together.
1: So, tell us about his next victim, then, Jared. This is uh, a guy called Frederick Capen. Happen.
0: So, on the twelfth of May, nineteen seventy-five, the body of thirty-two-year-old nurse Frederick Capen was discovered stabbed to death on a highway that ran parallel to Ocean Beach. So there is this location connection that a lot of these victims are kind of near Ocean Beach in San Francisco. Uh, Capon's corpse um, was stabbed um, and there was smeared blood indicating that his body had been dragged over a, a long period of time. As I said, he'd been viciously stabbed. In fact, so viciously stabbed through the chest that one of the the knives had actually um, severed his aorta, which is quite difficult to do. Um, You know, if if you're used to to reading autopsies, yeah. Um, Captain, we don't know much about his background. We do know that he fought in Vietnam and was a veteran. Um, He was originally from Washington, but moved to San Francisco because he wanted to live openly his life in San Francisco. Um, And then was killed at the age of 32. The the last official victim that we have of the Doodler um, is a Swedish immigrant by the name of Harold Goldberg. Now, Goldberg um, didn't have the features of all the other victims in that Goldberg was 67. All the other victims were young men, so this was a bit unusual. His body was found on the 4th of June, 1975 in Lincoln Park Golf Course, which is near um, where the other murders occurred. His throat had been slit. Um, And what they had found is that Goldberg, uh, his fly was undone, indicating that there was probably some sort of sexual activity prior to his murder. And this really put everything together in in the police's mind that, okay, the connection here was serial killings, gay men, some sort of connection to to bars. And after finding this final body, they started to try and engage a bit more with the gay community to understand who this guy... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: And then it was only in fact a month after that, wasn't it, that uh, some other victims who survived encounters with this guy uh, actually did, uh, uh, you know, somehow come forward or uh, give some sort of description to police.
0: So there were two, two men um, who'd survived assaults um, between, you know, between the two assaults. that were two weeks apart. Um, both men had met a guy at a bar and then this guy had attacked them after sex with a knife. One of the victims was a European diplomat um, who was stationed in America Um, who was actually stabbed with a knife in one of these attacks and sustains injuries that were similar to the homicide victims. Both of the victims gave similar descriptions of the suspect. They said he was African-American. He was probably aged between 19 and 25 years old. He was very thin and he was about six feet um, in height. The reason that we have the pseudonym, the Doodler, is because both of them noted the fact that this guy liked to draw caricatures um, in gay bars. Um, And he, in fact, at the the night where both of them were attacked, had drawn caricatures of them. Um, And this led to there potentially being some sort of MO of the doodler, quote-unquote, because he would like to sketch the likeness of his victims and then murder them. And this kind of led to a lot of sensationalization about the case.
1: So he'd, he'd, so he'd be sketching you in a bar or a diner, wherever you were, and then he'd take this up to you as a way of engaging conversation, something like that.
0: Yeah, and then he'd pick you up, which, you know, I'm sure it was quite common in San Francisco where, you know, was these certain areas were kind of just known for being entirely gay men, and so people were quite comfortable doing that. From this, from this kind of behavior, police developed a profile, and I feel like this profiling itself is a bit of a junk idea that the U.S. police force tries to to make more of a thing than it is. Um, but what they did is they looked at these behaviors and they they made a couple of educated guesses about what this this killer could be like. They said, "Well, this guy's likely to be um, quite reserved." Um, and serious he's likely to have an upper upper middle class education he's likely to have above average intelligence Um, and because he was sketching these things they also said it was possible that he was an art student or that he was studying you know commercial art in some way
1: i feel like all those things are kind of intuitive and reasonable but perhaps not particularly helpful
0: because these murders had occurred um, in short succession, a lot of rumours started to fly around within the gay community, um, and certainly the press, or certain segments of the press, um, began to speculate about different people that had encounters with the doodler. There's certainly people who have been given witness accounts of weird guys that they had gone home with, <laughs> um, and maybe that was the doodler.
1: One of one of the rumours, if I'm not mistaken, was that... Um... Uh, a very well-known Hollywood entertainer was among the victims
0: yeah never confirmed and but published everywhere was this idea that one of the victims of the doodler was this nationally known entertainer of some sort who knows how much of this was true um, the media not to shit on the media I did I do this when Paul's on as well
1: something about us that compels you. <laughs> to- <laughs>
0: um media sensationalization also applied to you know where these bars had actually happened a lot of the men had been met in kind of very relaxed cabaret bars um but some of the reporting depicted them as like sadomasochistic leather bars which is you know the inspiration for cruising and i fucking love cruising (laughs) um but that's not very realistic about where these men actually met their demise In, in 1976, um, police actually did have a suspect in custody. He, it was a man who resembled the sketch that police had put out um, describing a, an African-American, slender African-American man. Uh, this man had gone into a bar and offered to draw the patrons. And when they searched him, they found a book of sketches and also a butcher knife.
1: Now that seems pretty uh that seems pretty telling uh, so what happened to the case? why couldn't this guy end up going to trial or being convicted
0: so the biggest issue was um the witnesses the people that had had encounters um, with the killer in the past just refused to cooperate with police because they probably correctly thought that that would result in them being publicly outed um and that was quite controversial within the gay press. There were people writing the gay press that, you know, by not cooperating with police, these people have allowed a killer to go free. who could kill again. One of the defenders of uh, the witnesses who didn't come forward was actually Harvey Milk, very famous gay rights activist and councilman Harvey Milk, who said that he understood the position of people not coming forward and that he, respected the pressure society had put on the witnesses, and, and that's why they, they didn't come forward, which kind of a controversial topic maybe, particularly in the 1970s. I do wonder if something like this happened today, whether or not people would have that sympathetic a position of people not wanting to be publicly outed.
1: I don't think there would be as much sympathy given that generally we would... Uh, we would value catching a serial killer quite highly above probably someone's. You know, uh, we're, it's, it's a different time, uh, and the consequences aren't as great. I think the value calculus would be somewhat different.
0: Exactly, exactly. But in the nineteen seventies, maybe you know, maybe these were almost life and death things for the, for those particular people, um, and 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 that's why they didn't come forward. So that, that initial suspect, that suspect that they had, um, the guy walking into the bar, he, he actually had a history of mental health issues, which, which played into the narrative that he could potentially be the killer, but that, that did not go anywhere. In July of 1977, two men were arrested in Riverside, California, in connection with uh, a large number, actually, of unsolved homicide uh 28 homicides that they were allegedly connected to um the two men would get into consensual sexual encounters with gay men and then kill them so that that seemed to be the mo um of the dudler although ultimately neither of those men were charged and nothing came as a result of those arrests in terms of the official police narrative um that's that's where that story ends so you have these five victims um and an investigation that goes nowhere Um, although in re-evaluating the case people do add a potential sixth victim to the um to the list Um, on the 2nd of may 1977 a man named nick bauman also known as nick granny goose bauman which is a bit fun. Um, Bowman was found dead in a South of Market basement. He had been beaten to death and his skull was fr- was fractured. Um, th- the reason that people think that this might be connected to the doodler is the 29-year-old's scrotum had been uh, essentially crushed, stomped on to the point where it was completely crushed. And that kind of sexual connection um makes it think makes us think that that might actually mean that this was a victim of the doodler because at least one of the psychological theories is that the killings were motivated by a self-hating gay man of some sort and that that maybe explains all of the potential killings although again like all the profiling that is just wild speculation
1: Right, and 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 the the fact that the scrotum was stomped out is that supposed to represent some kind the, the self hating element of it, kind of erasing the male genitalia? Is that what the theory is there? Yeah,
0: I think that is where the speculation is, and again, I'm very skeptical of this sort of inferring and from like facts
1: the profile come up with.
0: Yes, well, I mean, clearly, so so. Uh, It's worth noting that when we are talking about the doodler, he did have sex with these men first, right? At least that's what we think has happened. He had sex with these men and then he killed them. Um, And so I can understand why it would logically follow then that this was some sort of self-hating gay man. Although maybe not, I don't know. The latest news on the doodler is that Earlier this year, it was announced that the cold case unit at uh, San Francisco Police would be uh, reinvestigating or or looking into the case again. Um, They're offering a $100,000 reward in the hopes of finally closing the case. um, And it's hope that some witnesses who would now be in their 60s and 70s um, will, uh, you know, move have moved past some of this shame of the the early days and and will actually step forward to finally close this case I mean, I would be surprised if they couldn't get somewhere
1: on this because you've actually got a Signature that is very visible. You know, you've got this guy who's going around creating drawings of uh, his future victims um, using that as a way to meet them I mean that's creating evidence in and of itself. It's very public, you know. People would have seen this guy drawing people, surely, uh, from time to time. Uh, and, you know, notwithstanding um, the terrible things that happened in the 80s, hopefully some of these people are still alive to um, tell the police what they saw.
0: Well, so, so that you've hit the nail on the head by mentioning the 80s, though. One of the concerns that I've heard about trying to resolve this case is that, um, gay men who frequented gay bars in San Francisco in the nineteen seventies, um, unfortunately, like many of them died, you know, yeah. in the eighties and nineties in the AIDS crisis, and so that that has kind of severely hindered any potential witnesses that they could find.
1: Yeah, well, that's always going to be a problem with these cases, isn't it? Because it just uh, you know HIV AIDS wiped out just so much of that generation. Uh, hopefully someone who's seen this guy doodling is um, still alive to uh, to say what they saw.
0: And maybe they're a listener of the podcast. I don't know how many 60-something and 70-something Americans are currently listening. Castro, yeah. Yeah, like, maybe. I maybe. you have some fans there, Jared. I, I have US fans. I've looked at the analytics. I have, like, probably almost on par US fans... To Australian fans, actually, which is a bit weird.
1: Um, it sinister actually helped nail a murderer.
0: Let's do this, folks. Uh, you can all research at home, you know, the gay community is fairly small, really. Ask your friends, ask your older friends, ask your older hookups, uh, and maybe we can finally solve the unsolved case of the doodler. Thank you to Michael for joining me and apologies for some of the inconsistencies in the recording there. I'm doing the best I can Uh, you can follow Sinister Sissies on Facebook and Twitter at Sinister Sissies you can also support us on Patreon which will allow me to get better technology in order to record these podcasts which would be great you can follow my personal Twitter at Jared Bartle that is Jared with a Y and I'd like to encourage you to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it really helps out the show until next time
1: stay sinister